we're going to jump right to it. What should they do? Part three. Um, I'm kind of, I think we went through the M's. So we're going to start with the N's and, uh, and that includes some other teams because of the way I do alphabetical order is based on my memory of the teams when I was like in, in fifth grade. So Brooklyn's New Jersey, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to redo it too bad. Um, we'll start with the Knicks most contentious team. So look, a lot of Knicks fans are excited for, for decent reason, right? They, they finished last year with a number four seed, um, you know, I think Thibodeau, and again, I'll, I'll keep saying this, did one of the better coaching jobs I've seen in my lifetime, period. Um, and I'm not saying, oh, because the Knicks were so bad. It's just that everybody on the team had a career year. And at some point, it's not a coincidence. And you got to give credit to the coach, right? Randall, career year. Um, quickly really emerges. Barrett emerges a bit. Um, Derek Rose career, I mean, re-career, second career year, if you, if you will, right? He does have a full season. He's flirting with, with all-star consideration of what he did last year. Reggie Bullock career year, Alec Burks coming back from the shadows. So a lot of just evolvement off veterans and, and everything like that. One of the knocks on Tibbs is he's a regular season coach. Does it make sense in the playoffs? You know, you know, can he elevate the team further? The other knock, and, and this is my knock, is he tends to only play traditional lineups, right? So one of the issues that Knicks fans had was with Alfred Payton. And, um, you know, I kind of get the sense that once he sees a guy in a position, he's that position, right? So it would have made more sense to play quickly more at the one. But I feel like, and it quickly probably had to, you know, was forced to play someone. And Frank Nilakina more at the one and all, and all that. But the problem was, you know, once he sees he got in position, you know, he saw Nilakina as a wing. He didn't see Kevin Ox as a small ball four. He didn't see Toppin being able to play a little small ball five, which he, whether you like the idea or not, whether you like the idea or not, if Toppin's going to play with Randall in a lineup, he's got to play some small ball five. So Thibodeau's not really great, I think, in outside the box in that light. But his teams try super hard, and they're always – great defensive teams, regardless of the defensive talent on the floor. So you can acknowledge all of that. Having said that, there is a trajectory that teams should go through, right? So the Knicks, um, and, and I'll preface this, you don't want to peak too early. You don't want to peak too early. What I mean by that is, if you're a rebuilding team, uh, and you had some vets that sort of complement your youth, you don't necessarily like want a one and done playoff season. Now, granted, the fourth seed you got to win when you can win, but you know the addition of Rose and these guys while they while they really helped them. You know, you end up hurting the team's long term draft uh, chances, uh, and then you kind of get a little disillusioned. I think the team is better off than they are. So a lot of GMs agree with me on this, and believe the Knicks season last year was kind of fluky, and it was fluky for. Also because of the COVID stuff, right? They didn't really get impacted that much with COVID. Now, look, you look at it on paper, you could say a couple of things. A, this is some of the pros going into the season for the Knicks. The second half of the year, they played really out of their mind, quite frankly. I mean, they played like a top two seed second half of the season. So you got to figure, okay, that, that, that you know, I, I, I use that same premise for other teams. Why would I not use it for the Knicks? That's a totally a fair notion. The second thing is they're getting Mitchell Robinson back. Okay, that's going to be big. Barrett is improving, but 
Peyton's gone, so a negative is gone. And they, they've improved the roster. I mean, they, these are upgrades, right? You got Evan Fournier over Bullock. That, that's an upgrade, okay? Now, great, the Bullock did a great job last year as a 3 and D guy. But Fournier is a talent. Now, the question is going to be, can they acclimate him into being more of a usage guy, which is which is what he's more accustomed to? That's going to be, you know, right now it doesn't look that way, but it's, it's super early. So if they could adjust him and make him what he's supposed to be, like a, a, a mix between a spacer and a and a guy that could get his own bucket, then he's going to be immensely successful. And then Kemba Walker, you know, I, I didn't love him on Boston, but, but he absolutely makes sense from a fit perspective and in the immediate term for the Knicks, because again, you have Baron Fournier that can create, you have Randall that can create, Randall, Randall became you know, a, a great playmaker. So you have a number of these guys that could create, that could do things. And then Walker can space, he could shoot. And, you know, we'll see if, if he comes back from his injuries. Well, that could be a nice little surprise for them. And then off the bench, you still got Derek Rose. Now, are you going to, you know, are you going to anticipate the same season from Rose? I'm not sure. But quickly should grow. And then Toppin looked way better, I would say, the last quarter of the year. And he looked great in preseason and in the summer league. So, again, like, even if you're looking at a year over year, you look at the second half of the year. But even if you say, okay, well, let's say Randall um, and... Uh, Randall and Rose regress a little bit, regress towards the mean, you're still expecting organic improvement from Barrett quickly. Mitchell Robinson is going to be there. And then Kemba is going to improve your team, and so is Fournier. So why are we down on the Knicks? It's an interesting question, but again, I think it's, I think, first of all, they're not going to surprise teams. Um, and the second thing is, like, whether, look, I think they're going to, be in that mix of the three through nine guys. So a lot of guys improved. A lot of teams got unlucky, so they're in the mix now. I'm not saying they're not in the mix. But my obvious bigger concerns are more to do with sort of just like how they're building long-term. So again, everyone's going to knock me for this. If I were Nick's GM, I wouldn't have extended Randall. Because again, look, you see how sensitive his trade value is. Right, where like two years ago, everyone wanted him gone for a late first, basically Marcus Morris value. Then he has a good year; he's got a great year actually, he makes the All Star team, and now he's untouchable. But he's not like it's very rare this happens in the NBA where a player peaks that late and then it continues. The only examples I really have is like Chauncey Billups, but most of the time, it, it it's a little funky, right? Like I don't. Or maybe, or I would say another situation is that the player's situation changed where they got traded. Like Victor Oladipo is a good example, right? He gets moved. He's in a different situation. He's a high usage guy now. Let's see what he could do. But I don't know. I don't sense it here. And it's very hard to keep up the three-point percentage that Randall had long-term. I, I just, I'm not a believer. And then defense is his defense. But the bottom line for me is it's, it's not a position that's necessary in today's NBA. Right, so Randall, if he's not really a small ball five, which he could be in certain situations, and he's playing the four, he's I'm a little nervous him defensively at the four. I'd just rather have lengthy wings uh, at my two through four than a guy like Randall. That's being nitpicky, but again, if I could trade him and get value, I, I do it. So the deal that I thought would have made sense last 
um, you know, at the trade deadline was something like Randall for Bridges and Charlotte's pick. Now his value increased, and they just signed him long term. And and I think now that that kind of puts them in a stuck situation, right? The other issue I have with Randall is I don't think he helps R.J. Barrett's development, right? Like I'm a believer, and I know people are going to knock me. Barrett, I think, could really be a special talent, and he fits the mold of what today's NBA is going towards. Okay. On top of that, on top of that, um, you know, he should be, um, he needs to have high, more usage and needs to be more of a focal point in the offense, and Randall takes that away, right? Randall makes him a secondary player. He, he, just, he just does. I, I don't, you know. He makes him the secondary offensive alpha guy, which is a problem, definitely a problem. So considering all of that, just in terms of the trajectory and the future of the Knicks, I don't think I think they 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 overrated their fourth seed slot, and now their goal is to be a second round team. Now look, their strategy could still work, right? Where they're not um, focused on the rebuild at all. It's like, hey, we're a big market. Let's show free agency that, you know, players coming in and all that, that we're back, we're a two-seed, not two-seed, we're a second-round-level team, and that'll be easier to attract players. And look, that could work. It honestly can't, right? Um, you know, does that help you get Beal or Levine? Maybe. But again, even if you got Beal or Levine, you're still a second-round team. You're not there yet. So I, I just think they um, they swung too early. Uh, and that's my take on the Knicks.